0: Hello and welcome to the Food Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. I'm Harriet Frew, AKA the Food Freedom Coach, and I'm really excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information, and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I want to talk about triggers. Triggers that can set you off course when you're working really hard on your relationship with food. And I'm going to get up close and personal today to talk about something that has been quite triggering for me personally recently. Now, I'm telling you this just to really let you know that the journey in fine tuning your relationship with food and kind of eking out all those little niggling behaviors, leftover emotions it is ongoing. Achieving and maintaining a healthy relationship with food, it takes time and investment. And the good habits need repetition again and again. And just in the same way that if you were trying to keep physically fit, you wouldn't just kind of put in lots of energy in the short term and then you'd be done. You've kind of got to keep working at it little by little, bit by bit. But every now and then as well, you might be going along quite happily and then something can just throw you right off course. Now, for those of the, you that don't know, in my late teens and early 20s, I had anorexia nervosa, albeit briefly, but then for seven years after this, I struggled with bulimia. Now, I've been symptom-free now for a very long time. So this means no binging, no purging, no restriction of my food intake, no over-exercise, you know, for many, many years. And I'm an intuitive eater. I'm not scared really of any foods. Foods that I would avoid now are things that I just don't really like, like baked beans or I don't know, anything slimy. <laughs> but I can pretty much eat anything these days. I love carbs. I'm particularly fond of salt and vinegar crisps, pan of chocolat, pasta, bread and moams. those like sticky sweets that stick your teeth together. Um, when I'm getting a bit low on blood sugar. Um, And I'm not saying I just eat all the carbs when I'm low on blood sugar. I eat those all the time. I mean the MOAMs when I'm low on blood sugar. (laughs) So I would say as well, I have a pretty good body image. I don't exude like intense body positivity in bucket loads after three babies and the wear and tear of life. However, I am proud of my body, being healthy and strong in my life, and I'm pretty body neutral. So Thinking about my body doesn't really occupy a massive part of my daily thought processes. So having said this, you know, I'm a human being and there are occasions where a relationship with food might be triggered. Now these days as well, generally I wouldn't act on the triggers, but I do have to do some work to stay on track and keep in the best lane for maintaining good mental health for myself and those around me. So I'm going to talk now about a recent trigger for me and let you know how I've kind of managed that, this and dealing with this and the skills that I've drawn on to keep me headed in the right direction. Now, the specific example I'm gonna talk about, it might not be particularly relevant for you personally, but the skills that I'm talking about are relevant to dealing with any of these kind of difficult emotions um, or thoughts that can be um, brought up in response to trigger situations. So I'm hoping that you'll still be able to really learn from my challenges and apply some of these coping skills to your own situation. So the trigger to my relationship with food is having a teenage daughter who is now dieting. Okay, so I have three children, I have one girl and two boys. And I have done my utmost to be a good role model by living my truth with intuitive eating and modelling good self-esteem and body acceptance, because I guess, I believe more than anything being a role model and kind of showing them how to do it really acting at really acting and kind of putting the good um practices into my daily life that's the way they're really going to learn because obviously if i say one thing and do another i mean i'm just a complete hypocrite so i've really done my best to try and instill these good practices however to a 14 year old girl my lovely daughter of course, um, her mum's opinion is not really that valid, not particularly at the moment anyway. And she's finding her own path and separating as she should be from me and forging her own identity. So that's kind of all really he- healthy and normal. You know, in a way, I'd probably be a bit worried if she was just agreeing with everything I said or trying to be a carbon copy of me. That would not be helpful at all. Now, she's on TikTok, as are most of her peers, and is exposed to all manner of unhealthy weight loss practices on there. Um, But mainly, it's her friends that are all dieting, and she's bonding with them in doing this, because, you know, at that age, you just really want to be doing what your friends are doing. Now, I think I've always been a bit naive, because I just think I thought that if I created the home environment that encouraged the healthy relationship with food and body neutrality, And that would just be like a buffer to diet culture and she'd just like reject it outright. Now, I'm really hoping that for the long term it probably will be, but in the short term it's not enough to have prevented my daughter jumping on the bandwagon of what is sadly just such an accepted practice for young girls. Now, as you can imagine, with me being an eating disorder therapist, I'm finding this extremely challenging. Now, it doesn't actually impact my relationship with food because I've actually done a lot of work on this over the years. So there's no way that my daughter dieting is going to be a trigger for me to return to dieting myself or returning down any kind of dodgy road. In fact, you know, I'm even more resolutely headed in a different direction because I just can see how important that is. However, can really understand you know you might be listening to this and if you hadn't had the opportunity to have a lot of therapy or do a lot of work on your relationship with food if you were in the same situation as me you might be really struggling and some of um you know your old behaviors could be re-triggered it would be understandable so although my relationship with food isn't impacted however it does impact me emotionally and also poses challenges for me in how I'm going to deal with this destructively. Destructively? Constructively. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, definitely don't want to be dealing with it destructively. So how am I doing this? Okay, and I guess my motivation behind all of this as well is I really want to respond to my daughter in a helpful and supportive way. I don't want to do anything that's going to... Um, destroy our relationship or and um, put barriers between us in our communication um you know i really want to kind of maintain the relationship i want her to feel supported i want her to feel that she can talk to me okay so first of all the thing that i have to do myself completely separate from my daughter is i have to be really self aware about how i'm feeling about what's happening here and being really open and honest with myself about how this is impacting me, okay? Now, and to be able to do this as well, I need to kind of take a bit of time out and really just sit with my thoughts and feelings, which is a bit uncomfortable because it could be really easy to just kind of want to distract and want to be busy and try to ignore what's going on and just hope the problem's gonna go away. Um, So I have had to like really sit with my own thoughts and feelings this week, and that's not very easy, but I kind of know it's the right thing to do. Now, we all have our own thoughts and feelings about a situation, and these thoughts and feelings will will always be influenced by our own unique experiences of life. So for me as well, you know, I've had an eating disorder in the past. I work with patients who have eating disorders. Um, I see the kind of hard end of dieting, and because of that, I have a slightly probably overreaction to any form of diet because of, um, I tend to expect the worst from my own experience and from working with clients. Now, all of us, we have a slightly distorted view of reality. Um, it's really important to be self-aware and to realise how much, you know, to tune into our own thoughts and feelings so we can separate the true logic from reality because of, you know, I'm actually having an overly emotional response into what my daughter is doing at the moment. And that's because of my own experiences. Okay. So it's so important that I'm able to stand back and kind of really recognize that because of my kind of gut instinct, my instant reaction is to just feel a huge wave of anxiety and kind of want to fix it, to stop it, to like, um, make it all okay now. When, actually you know i, I kind of can't do that um you know she's not going to listen to me and it's going to actually make the situation worse um so and it, it brings up lots of other emotions for me as well because i think you know when we have our children and then they go through things and when they go through different phases it really brings back memories of how we felt at a particular time now i didn't really have issues with food until i was about 16 but I remember like really trying to talk to my mum about the things I was going through and I just couldn't talk to her, um, you know, and not because my mum is someone who's very kind and very caring, um, but she wasn't in an, a place at that point where she could emotionally listen to kind of how I was doing. Um, so again, I guess just seeing my daughter kind of going through this phase now, you know, it reactivates those old feelings in me but actually those are nothing to do with my daughter. You know, it's all my emotional baggage that's coming to the surface. Now, all these feelings, they aren't easy to reconcile or put neatly into a box, you know, because logically I can understand my overreaction, but the feelings run deep and are strong and sometimes just really overwhelming. So it's been so important for me to get really clear on how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and to dig deep to make sense of why, okay? And this is my personal work. It's not something I'm sharing with my daughter. Now, I may well at a later date when she's more emotionally mature and we can talk about this more, but now it wouldn't be productive, okay? So this whole bit of work on self-awareness for me, has been really important to be able to help me to kind of understand my thoughts and feelings, to be able to kind of sit with them and to make sure I don't just kind of react. Okay, so number one was being self-aware. Number two, so I'm working on trying to challenge some of my unrealistic and negative thoughts and working on refocusing my thinking with more realistic ones, okay? Because at the moment, I'm having quite an over-emotional reaction, okay? And when we have an over-emotional reaction, we tend to kind of think the worst and we tend to catastrophize and our thoughts and feelings kind of go all over the place, but actually, this doesn't really often give a realistic perspective of reality. Um, so, thought challenging and being able to kind of ground oneself and actually think a bit about the whole situation a bit more logically can be really helpful. Now, this isn't easy because I know at the moment my thoughts can wander multiple times per day, however. I can start every day with a clear intention of how I want to manage the situation. So I know I want to be calm, I want to maintain good communication, I want to be kind. I don't want to be blaming or irritable or challenging with comments or leaking my frustration or anxiety. I don't want to be jumping in all the time and telling her what to do or what to eat or asking her questions or being really kind of intrusive because I know this doesn't help. And I guess if you just kind of think back to, um, you know, a situation yourself when you were growing up, and maybe if you had a parent who was trying to intervene to be helpful, but actually as a teenager, sometimes the last thing you want is a parent coming in and dispensing their wise advice. It completely just makes you um, push back and probably rebel. So I know that I need to be warm. I need to be present. I need to be able to offer a listening ear. I need to be able to kind of be um, available to talk about things as needed. And most importantly, I need to keep my own projections and anxieties myself, not directing them onto her, you know, because she's an individual, she is not me. Um, and I try and assure myself as well, that whatever happens, I will kind of handle this. Okay. Um, And I might not always necessarily believe that, but having that kind of grounding thought kind of helps kind of lead me through all of this. So if I set this intention in the morning, it's very helpful because I've almost then planned ahead to expect my thoughts to go off track during the day. Now, I would encourage you as well to do the same thing if you're trying to work on something where you know that you're going to potentially be triggered um, and but you don't want to be you want to be dealing with it in a much more constructive and helpful way so you know if you're trying to work on stopping binging or eating more or kind of challenging eating disorder thoughts again you can work on this in a similar way so you can start you can sort of set your intention at the beginning of the day about how you want to be thinking and feeling and then you can almost be, be prepared. So being forewarned is forearmed. You can kind of almost be ready then. So you can, so when the thoughts come, you can think, okay, here we go. Okay, how do I want to be thinking? So you can regularly just reground yourself. So the thoughts will come, but you can gently direct your thoughts back towards the way you want to be thinking. Now this is hard as well, because at the end of the day, when you're feeling tired or emotional, or when the day is just downright difficult, it might be really challenging to do this. However, it's like a habit. Okay. And you can repeat, repeat, repeat. And we do have so much more power over our thoughts than we realize. Okay. So this is really helping me at the moment because my thoughts do wander. Um, I can, you know, sometimes be very tempted to start dispensing wise advice or stepping in or kind of probably doing things that aren't going to be very helpful, but because I've really set my intention very strongly of how I want to cope with this, um, it really helps guide me back on track. Okay, so the third thing I'm doing is supporting myself by talking to trusted friends. Okay, so I can do a certain amount of mental processing by thinking, reflecting, journaling, even doing this podcast now. However, I also do need support from outside. So it's important that I speak to people who understand and have insight and awareness, others who can give wise counsel, or who can just simply listen and be a soundboard. So by doing this venting, I can then protect my daughter from my own emotional baggage. So this is being processed away from her, rather than me leaking out emotions all over the place, which are not hers to own. So. If I did this and I started kind of leaking out all my emotions, I might inadvertently add fuel to the burning fire. And she would learn to learn as well that talking to me probably wasn't a safe or viable option. Um, So for me, talking to trusted friends is imperative to processing my emotions and helping get things in perspective. So I would say to you, when you're struggling emotionally, this is the time to reach out and get support from the people you trust. Um, Now it is important as well, you've probably got to choose carefully who you talk to, because you don't want to be talking to someone who is maybe going to have a very strong emotional reaction, or is going to really tell you what to do, or who just won't listen, or If you speak to the right person, someone who's really sort of you can really trust, someone who you know who can kind of listen, who's non judgmental, who's accepting of you, that's going to be really beneficial. Because actually, sometimes you just don't even need anyone to tell you what to do or anything, you just need to be heard. That's the valuable bit. Because as well, if you're stewing in your own juices and going over and over the stuff in your head, it's often not the best way through, and you can start to kind of catastrophize and think the worst, and you know, your thoughts go. Off in all kinds of um, unhelpful directions. So triggers are always going to happen. You know it's part of life, but we can have really good self awareness. It's going to help. Okay, and if you don't feel self aware right now, therapy can really support with this. And one of the reasons that I'm very self aware is because I have had a lot of therapy, and I've also done a lot of talking to my friends, and you know, there's no shortcut to this, I guess, because in a way, self-awareness takes time. And it's also there's kind of multiple layers to it as well, we can become self-aware. But then we can go kind of deeper and deeper with that. But also journaling, you know, talking to friends, meditating, and having time out to think alone and process. Because if you're constantly doing or busy, um, and never giving yourself enough time to think, sometimes it's really hard to know how you feel. The next thing is the challenging the thoughts that's also a really valuable skill so you might need to set an intention as i have been for doing this and you have to practice practice and practice and you might have to redirect your thoughts hundreds of times but it will get easier and the final thing was talking to trusted friends and don't try to just go all alone you need to vent and you need to be supported through okay and this then can also protect the people around you um, if you you know if you've got a kind of healthy outlook for your thoughts and feelings, then you're not going to kind of perhaps vent that to people around you who sometimes aren't always the people that can support you best, you know particularly perhaps if, it's, if it's your children or whatever. you want to really protect them. Okay, so I hope you've learned some things from this. Um, so you can apply these skills to dealing with any trigger situation. having awareness, challenging your thoughts, reaching out to your friends. So hopefully I'll be telling you very soon that this dieting phase my daughter has passed and that her strong intuitive eating roots are grounding her. Anyway, watch this space. Until that point, I'll be hanging on in there and practicing the things I've talked about on a daily basis. So for regular tips and insights into overcoming disordered eating, do sign up for weekly articles on my blog page at foodfreedomcoach.co.uk. And thank you so much for listening And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.